Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Well, good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over, over everything in racing. Joining me in the studio, Mr. Gray Warren, Mr. Richard Uden, Mr. Seth Eggert. Fellas, how we doing? Terrific. Doing good. Thank you. Well, it seems like there's been several occasions uh, all through this year where we've, we've come across something and said, gosh, this has got to be the biggest story in racing. Um, and, you know, nothing will top that this year. Well, <laughs> you know, fast forward to this week where I, my phone started blowing up at about 8.12 a.m. Uh, with the news that um, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was being sold, um, along with the IndyCar Series and the rest of IMS properties. And the buyer is a certain Mr. Roger Penske. Uh, now, that's common knowledge to uh, all of us now. That, that turned out to be absolutely true. They kept that fairly quiet. I mean, it wasn't a secret that the the, the um, Holman family, uh, the, at least uh, Tony George's sisters, wanted to cash out and, and, and be done, and they wanted to find uh, uh, somebody to take it over. I mean, there was some talk of uh, Liberty Media. You know, there was some talk of the France family. But at the end of the day, it's uh, Roger Penske who now um, – owns the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, or he will take ownership of it in January once all the uh, proper paperwork is uh, signed and, and all the you know I's dotted and T's crossed. Um, Roger had a big meeting uh, the other morning. Um, he's been walking around the grounds taking a look at, uh, taking a look at his new baby. Um, and with this going on, there's it, it's very much um, positive reaction. The, the, the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, we, we were talking um, off the air before the show. This is pretty much a best-case scenario. You have a guy who is a dyed-in-the-wool racer who has a, a love for Indianapolis who's not going to go in there and make wholesale changes to it, although he'll make some changes, and we'll talk about all that a bit. But, uh, Gray, you've been in racing um, your whole life. Um, were you around the first time I sold a Speedway to Holman? <laughs> but uh yeah so uh gray your reaction uh, i i thought the uh the news was terrific uh if, if the if the holman family wanted to relinquish uh 
the Speedway, the best case scenario would would be for uh, someone of Roger Penske's stature to buy it. I mean, from a purely stewardship uh, point of view, it's it's the best case scenario because you've got a, a man that has a has a deep passion uh, for, for the business for IndyCar and IndyCar racing, and obviously the Indianapolis Motor Speedway means a lot to this guy. I think that uh, you know Roger buying it is is great news for for the whole world of motorsports. Uh, I think he'll take uh, Indianapolis and he'll take to the next level. Uh, there's talk that uh, you know uh, he's going to try to uh, uh, strengthen what's already there. His his relationship with with uh, with IndyCar with uh, NASCAR, and he's even talked about bringing in a 24-hour race, the possibility of that, and the possibility of Formula One returning to uh, to Indianapolis. So the future is is quite bright and for, for Indy. And, and like I said, I think uh, this, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's world-renowned. It's a mecca for motorsports. I think the track is in the perfect hands now. I believe so too. Now we've and now Roger not only bought the Speedway, but he also owns the whole of the Indy Racing um, series, um, the IndyCar race, the IndyCar series, um, which has led some folks to understandably bring up the thought that perhaps there's a conflict of interest here. Now that there's precedent for this. I mean, Tony George had a had a team in the Indy Racing League when he owned also owned the Speedy, Speedway and the Indy Racing Series. Um, Wilbur Shaw was the president of Speedway and, and owned a team. Eddie Rickenbacker owned the Speedway and was still racing at the time. And if you look at the uh, Champ Car Series, the guys that, that bought the remains of Cart were Kevin Kalkoven and um, Jerry Forsyth, and they both owned teams as well. So this is not unprecedented, but when you look at the success Rogers had in the series, um uh, you know, it, it's, if his continued success will be under a microscope. So, I mean, for that reason, uh, my understanding is that Roger will pretty much turn over all of the racing operations to uh, Tim Sindrick. And, again, he's putting that in very capable hands. I mean, Tim is one of the sharpest guys I've ever met, and he pretty much runs the thing now. But Roger's going to take his hands off of the day-to-day operation of the race teams, that being all three of them, the you know the NASCAR, the IndyCar, and the uh, the Australian Supercar team as well, and Roger's going to focus. Don't forget IMSA. And IMSA, yeah, I mean Roger owns a little bit of everything, um, <laughs> uh, but and Roger's going to focus um, his primary efforts on building the series and and building the speedway. Uh, so I, I don't feel there's a conflict of interest there now. Um, now Richard. You've been seeped in the world of Formula One where there's always some some sort of a speculation on somebody getting an advantage anywhere. What are your thoughts on this whole perhaps there's a conflict of interest? Um, I, I think because you're working in series that are, you know, um, spec series, uh, I think you're, you're, you're pretty safe there. I don't think anybody's going to try and do anything too stupid. Uh, don't think you can. The regulations don't allow. So, uh, you know, I, I just want to reiterate. I think it's a good move for the, the sport. I think it gives stability. I think the, it opens up a lot of avenues. Um, does um, 
you know, d- d- does it allow Roger to, to maybe lean on Ford a little bit with his, um, you know, NASCAR background to, to try and persuade Ford to come into the series? Um, you know, obviously they've already got the, the Chevy deal there, but, uh, you know, that could potentially uh, open, a, uh, open a few doors. It'd be interesting to see how all that sort of cross cross-integrate sort of thing, for want of a better word, but it's certainly exciting times for the, for the series. It, it needs it. It's just started to gain some momentum, and hopefully this can take it on the uh, you know next uh, next step. Yeah, and no, sort of, I, mean, I, I think the... I'm sorry, Grant. I think one of yeah. the most the most exciting things about having, you know, Roger in there and, and in charge is the fact that he has so many business contacts. You know, and, oh, and yeah. he, he, he is the master of putting deals together that are, that are beneficial for both parties. I mean, look, I mean, who else could run a Chevy and Indy car, uh, a Honda branded car in IMSA, and then run Fords and NASCAR, and then nobody really worried about it. You know what I mean? Uh, plus, he owns, and he owns Toyota dealers. So, uh, you know, uh, people are just pleased. These corporations are pleased to work with Roger because they like the way he does business. They, they, they you know, they you get what you – you know what? What you see is what you get, and and what you get is perfection. Now, Seth, you wanted to jump in, and then Gray had a comment as well. And I know we've all got a lot to talk about, so uh, I'll try to you know, try to shut well, shut out myself as much as I can. But Seth, go ahead. Well, for one, uh, Roger had talked about needing to break some glass, so to speak, and uh, experiment with different things. And when he said that, he was talking about possibly doing a NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader at, say, the Roval. And he, the night before the announcement, he had actually called and talked to Jim France, the president and CEO of NASCAR, uh, and explained everything to him. And NASCAR is gung-ho on all this. But like you were saying, like Richard was saying, maybe Ford going into IndyCar on the reverse – this could also be a callous and a helping hand for, say, Honda yeah, jumping into NASCAR. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that that's a whole other story this week. And I think, yeah. uh, I mean, some of the comments I've read from Art St. Cyr uh, about Honda going into NASCAR are not really good for their IMSA program and IndyCar program when they, when they talk <laughs> about um, their, their capacity. It, 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 in other words, if they take on NASCAR, they may have to abandon the other two programs. But, but again, yeah, that's, how I that, read it that's, well. that's that's a different story. We'll, we'll talk about that a little later. But, uh, Gray, you wanted to jump in with something right quick? Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to go into business with Roger Penske? I mean, can any of us sit here and think about anything controversial about Roger? You know, I mean, he's a straightforward and, 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 and just, you know, when, when you – He's synonymous with integrity, and I think I think too. You know, if anybody can uh, sit down at the table and convince another manufacturer to come into a sport, and like Richard said, stability is what he's going to give it. And obviously, when you look at uh, you know if Rogers at the helm of it, uh, that's going to bring people are going to have a lot more confidence. Uh, in, in, in the programs that he, he lays out. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think you know, the possibilities are endless for, for growth, not only for Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but for IndyCar and whatever, what other series that uh, Roger tends to, wants to bring in, into that realm. 
Yeah, certainly. Um, which brings up another point. The one other concern that some folks have expressed is Roger's age. I mean, even uh, I think A.J. Floyd said, I can't believe Roger wanted to do this at, at his age. Roger is over 80, um, 80, 81, 82, or 83, depending on which article you read. <laughs> it seems like everybody's getting it getting it close. I'm sure it's not that hard to look it up, but, but the man is in his early 80s. Uh, so some folks are worried about the succession planning, you know, and it's, I'm like, I, 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 I'm just ready to see what Roger does. Uh, in the short term, I'm not ready okay. to put him in his grave and worry about the long term just yet. But I, I, I know Roger's an astute enough businessman to have a succession plan in place. Um, his son, yeah. Greg, Greg Penske, is a very sharp businessman. Uh, Jay Penske, while he's had some issues here and there, uh, runs a pretty solid business with um, uh, Penske Media Corp. And then, of course, Tim Sindrick is right there in the picture as well, who's a very sharp guy. Now, Richard, May I? Had- well, Jay, Jay. Yeah, Jay runs the uh, Dragon Formula E team out of uh, L.A., so, you know, he's already got his, his fingers in the racing pie, as it were, and knows uh, knows what's what. So I, I think that the Empire, as it were, you know, the, the, these guys aren't stupid. They know how to uh, how to make it all work, don't they, and how to make sure that uh, their legacy, you know, sticks around. Because as you say, I mean, the guy's in his early 80s, so... But he surrounded himself with good people. Yeah, he had, exactly. He has exactly. he has good lieutenants in place, and that that is that is evident in his success in motorsports, his success in NASCAR, his success in IndyCar, and the other forms of motorsports because he has the right pe. He seems to have a knack for bringing in the right people and putting them in place to to be successful. So I'm sure, like you said, Frank. He his he has a succession succession plan uh, in place that will be I would say seamless. Certainly. So we'll just have to see what the, the immediate future holds. Now, I mean, Rogers said all kind of stuff, but I believe this takes us, like Seth alluded to, this takes us a huge step closer to making that NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader being a reality. So because, I've got a question for you guys about that one, actually. All right, go right ahead, sir. Depending where you know. How should we put this? Would it not potentially be embarrassing? I don't use the word embarrassing, but you know, a, a little bit awkward for NASCAR when they go to a say it's at the Roval or wherever it may be, and the IndyCar, you know, are like ten seconds a lap faster. You know, how do you then sort of quantify that and justify your pace difference? Because I know that was one of the Honestly, I, well, Richard, I don't, I, I don't think it's a secret to most people that the Indy cars are quite a bit faster. But the 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 style mm. of the style of racing, the quality mm. of racing, are are quite a, quite a bit different. And and I think they they can both be entertaining and, and both highlight their high spots. So oh, and, and that, that's been a concern that NASCAR would be you know blown off the track you know when it comes to the um, the lap times. But uh, you know how many how many people pay it strict attention to the lap times and the, the speeds unless it's qualifying. You know, if we're just you're watching uh, a good quality race and you get to see, you know, the, say the Indy cars on Saturday night and, the, and say the stop cars on Sunday afternoon for a, uh, for a nice package ticket, I think it's a win-win for everybody. Um, but, but Seth Gray, what are your thoughts on this? Should NASCAR be embarrassed to share the track with cars that are so much faster? 
No, I think I think it's good because they can bring new fans in. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey guys, gut check. If your six-pack abs are covered with flab, it's time to cut the fat. Lose weight the easy way with Nutrisystem for men. Now delivering hearty inspirations meals that fill you up without letting you down. We're talking bigger lunches and bigger dinners packed with protein to control hunger for up to five hours. From savory bourbon chicken to mouth-watering meatloaf, they're exactly what a man's body needs to power through the day. You get breakfast Breakfasts, lunches, dinners, and snacks. All fully prepared, totally delicious, and delivered free to your door. No salads, no juices, just real food for serious appetites. Order today and get all new fuel shakes for men. They're made with the key ingredient, Velocitol, that doubles the power of protein to help you maintain muscle mass while losing weight and feeling satisfied. Don't wait any longer. Order now for a simple way to lose weight, build strength, boost energy, and burn fat. Go to Nutrisystem.com protein to lock in your special deal. Offer restrictions apply. See website for details. Into the sport, they can bring IndyCar fans in that don't necessarily follow the follow the stock cars or or, or or don't go to stock car races. They can bring those people in. And likewise, the opposite, the stock car fans that, that don't pay a lot of attention to uh, to IndyCar. I think uh-huh. you, you, you have a chance at garnering uh, new fans and, and giving them a show that will help both series. Uh, on top of that, it's already been done in a sense before. Uh, back in the 1970s when NASCAR first started going to Pocono, uh, one of their first races at Pocono was a doubleheader with, uh, I want to say it was the USAC cars at that time. Uh, it was during the USAC cart split era. Uh, on top of that, at Watkins Glen... For years and years, NASCAR shared the weekend with what's now IMSA and the Daytona prototypes on the same exact uh, short course would blow the cup cars out of the water, and no one ever complained about that. Certainly. So, like I said, and, and to, to to Gray's point about you know bringing new fans, you know, you know when I was young, I was a big Formula One guy, and I, and I, I kind of got interested in, in the in the kart series as they began to gain momentum. Um, but I, I always sort of halfway paid attention to NASCAR. I mean, if it was on TV, I might stop and watch. But I, I really got hooked on really enjoying NASCAR when I went to a NASCAR race and, and saw those things live. And I think that if you it, – it'll go it'll go by – if an IndyCar guy's never been to a NASCAR race and, all, and the only thing – oh, that's that, that taxi cab series. And then they see them live and they say, wow, this is pretty fun. You know, conversely, the um, – yeah. the, NASCAR guys who've, who've watched stock cars their whole life, who've never seen the Indy cars other than on television, when when they when they get to, when they see how fast those guys uh, go into the corners and whatnot, are likely to say, "Wow, you know what I mean?" I, I think yeah. it's a win-win, the doubleheader. Uh, and and again, like I said, with Roger at the helm, and you know, like like you said, who wouldn't want to do business with Roger Penske? I, I think that's uh, that's going to happen quite soon. Yeah, and you go back to the what I call the golden era of motorsports in in, in North America. 
uh, back when you had guys like, you know, you had all the IndyCar stars, Foyt, the Unsers, uh, Roger McCluskey, uh, those guys, they con- Johnny Rutherford, they constantly made forays into stock car racing and would come and run run those races. I mean, obviously things are a lot different now. The cars are more specialized. The racing series are more specialized, and you you, you can't do that. But I think at that, at, and then you had NASCAR stars like Kale Yarborough, Bobby Allison, Donnie Allison. Those guys would go and make forays into to Champ Car or Indy Car at the time. You know, those those kind of things, you know, were good for for both sports and 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 help foster a lot of fans. You know. Uh, in, in within in and around both series, so yeah, I think I think it's it's got a lot of potential, and I I would say if it's successful at Charlotte and the Roval, there are other facilities uh, around that that could do uh, could do the double as well. And certainly, and Ed, Eddie Gossage right. has been pushing to have that at Texas. As I was about to ask you guys, what tracks do you think would be most suitable for a, a doubleheader? Uh, the Roval has been one of the ones brought up more often than any other, at least recently. But Gateway has also been thrown around, uh, as has Texas. And I'm sure there's others. Michigan and Chicagoland were also uh, talked about earlier in the year. Watkins Glen would be an ideal, ideal place, too. Uh, it be a, nat- a yes. natural terrain road Although, course. Although my one question is, would Watkins Glen be suitable if IndyCar prefers to boot layout while NASCAR prefers well, that's, a short course? That's not a big deal. They just they incorporate the boot for one for one event and the other one they don't. I mean, all that is is just basically opening up the track. You know what I'm saying? That's not a that I don't see it, that to be a big, uh, you know, big. You just you know, I don't see that to be a big uh, a big uh, obstacle. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, when uh, when the kart series first ran at Watkins Glen back in '79, and went to the race, and the kart guys ran the short course, while the the companion series, which was the uh, SCCA Trans Am series, ran the boot, and they you know ran it on the same weekend yeah. and used both courses. That's not an issue at all, Seth. Yeah, I think I, I don't think that would be I don't think that would be a big big issue. Uh, you know, uh, I think they could uh, they could. What about uh, what about Kota? Yeah, Coda. That would be that would be great. I tell you what, I think you would get some uh, gets a little blowback from uh, uh, Gossage, and that's another well, thing that we'll well, we'll get we'll get into here in a little bit when we when we transition to our NASCAR and Formula One series. I, when you look at the two crowds this weekend at Coda versus at Texas, <laughs> that was a great. There was a lot right. of. Uh, there's a big difference in the in the size of the crowds too, and I don't know whether one affected the other. I'm, I'm I would I would would say that it probably did, but uh, we we can discuss that later. Speaking of Coda, uh, Tony Stewart ran some laps in a stock car with Kevin Magnuson and Roman Groshen, uh, first as passengers, and then they drove each other around. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fun, yeah. Now we'll now we'll get to all that in a minute. We want to try to wrap up this Roger Penske topic because we've uh, we've got plenty of time to talk about both Coda and Texas, um, which again, like you said, two places that may be ideal to hold that um, Indy NASCAR doubleheader. But the other thing that Roger has talked about is a 24-hour IMSA race and and bringing Formula One back. Now the whole Formula One race in Miami has hit a, a bunch of stumbling blocks. 
um, as they've begun the process of uh, getting approval to city council, there was a, a ton of opposition showed up, and evidently, at those hearings, the opposition was much better prepared with their argument uh, than the um, Liberty Media folks yeah. were, and the Miami Dolphins and the organizers of uh, the Formula One race, and they kind of really took a black eye over the thing, so uh, this Miami race, is it's in real jeopardy of not happening, and we've seen the same sort of things with the local opposition. We've seen it kill the uh, the IndyCar race in Baltimore after just two races. We've seen the um, the IndyCar proposed race in Nashville never get off the ground. The proposed race in Boston never get off the ground yeah. uh, because of these local opposition groups. So, the common denominator in all that, Frank, is local government. When you right, get, right. When you get municipalities involved in them, there's too many things going on. That's the good thing about having Roger Penske. You've got one entity to deal with, and that's Roger. Roger and, can, and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is purpose-built for racing, so no, right. one's, gonna, no one's going and, to oppose having a race there. Exactly. So, yeah. it, already, it already meets all the FIA requirements because it's been laid out and, and done before. Uh, you know, So with Roger there at the helm, I mean, you, you're dealing with one individual – and he deals with Liberty Media or whoever brings it in there. Uh, it streamlines the whole process, and they can work the deal out. And I see, uh, I, I don't see any issues coming. Roger's not going to get blindsided by the, by Formula One and the FIA. He knows where they're coming from. And I believe, uh, on, on the other hand, Liberty Media and FIA know where Roger stands, and I think they can sit down and they can hammer out a deal where they could have this race. Pretty good. Get all the sponsor people involved. Get them lined up, and bang, you know it's going to be a, it's going to have a lot less hurdles than trying to go in and do these street races or these races where you got to get local government involved in it, which is in this day and time is 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 you know with as much division as there is in politics. Yeah, you're sure. never going to pl- you're never going to please everybody. Yeah, I mean but that is- that NIMBY mindset is uh, you know very strong it's a very strong lobby the the nimby mindset so but let's um so let's talk about this the price the sale price okay because it's yeah, even though it's not been made public there's some industry insiders who've uh, released a few details i mean adam stern of uh, sports journal he's usually pretty spot on and and he's estimated that it's around um, between 300 and 500 million dollars, which is kind of a lot less than some folks thought that that would go for. When you like compare it to, say, like an, an NFL franchise, they said the you know the Dallas Cowboys are reported to be worth 5.5 billion dollars, and even the the least uh, valuable NFL team, the Buffalo Bills, is worth 1.6 billion dollars. So so for less than half a million dollars, Rogers picked him up the Speedway, and all that property. As well as the entire series and all the rights to that, so uh, it seemed like it's a real sweetheart deal. Um, and I think part of that was because the fact that it was Roger and and the Tony George and the Holman family and the they felt like the, their the um, the legacy of the Speedway is is very safe in those hands. And you know, instead of selling it to like Disney or Amazon or something like that, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, Dick, it's, you sell it to another entity that, that that is basically just looking to at the bottom line, solely at the bottom line. Hell, they have a couple of bad races, and they shut the racetrack down, and 
and and parcel the uh, property up, the kind of a la Riverside and uh, some of these other tracks that have gone by the uh, Ontario by the wayside, and it becomes an industrial park. Oh, Walt in, Disney in World Speedway. Yeah, <laughs> Walt, yeah, Walt, Walt Disney years. World Speedway is now an extra parking lot for Magic Kingdom. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but so. you know what I'm saying. That that's the good thing, and that's probably part of it. But 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 you're looking, you know, when you try to compare it to an NFL franchise and that kind of thing. You know, we're talking about a, 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 a facility that really basically has two marquee events a year. You know, maybe throw in the Indianapolis GP now as probably three. But you're, you're not talking about, uh, you know. Um, yeah, eight, it's, eight it's, home it's, games it's, a year. and, but and Basically, yeah. it's, it's brick and mortar. and But obviously, it's a large parcel with a lot of brick and mortar, no doubt. No doubt about it. The, the thing I the thing that when. I don't know if the series, if it was a package deal and they threw in the series is in it too, or was it two separate buys? You know what I'm I saying? I think, I think it was uh, buy the Speedway, get a series free. You know, it was like, the, <laughs> like the shoe stores when you say buy one pair of shoes and get another. So they sold it all as a package through this, through the series. Yeah. In. But that puts and the one, series, that puts the yeah. series in really good hands too. You know, yeah, so. one thing else too, the, the clabber girl, uh, entity that the Holman family owned, that was not part of the deal. And that's you know, they, they sold that off a year. Or two. They sold it out. They, they sold it off previously. That's correct. Yes. So that was not part of the, part of this deal. No, but, yeah. I, no, I think the family is just looking to cash out and 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 move and, on and, and move on. Right, right. I mean, and I mean, what the Holman family has meant to the Speedway. You know, we haven't really mentioned this. Uh, you know, where uh, you know what Anton Holman purchased after World War II, after the the Speedway sitting dormant for several years, and, 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 and where he's brought it, and then where the rest of the family has brought it to today. Um, you know, you can't. Discounts the uh, the contributions of the Holman family enough, and they'll uh, um, they deserve a great thanks for for continuing that for the the last fifty years, and we'll see what uh, Penske and his group does over the next fifty sixty years. So, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, one more one more bit of IndyCar news before we get to the um, series that actually raced this weekend. But the final test of the AeroScreen was held at Sebring. It was Padua Ward in the um, Arrows McLaren car that it was scheduled to be Hinchcliffe, but you know that's the story we covered last week. Um, he was pretty happy with the screen. His his issue was that it was very humid and very hot there in Sebring when they did the test, and he said it was just it was miserably warm in the cockpit, and they need to work on airflow towards the helmet or airflow towards the driver a little bit, which is something they're going to look at. Now Bourdais. With in the Dale Coin car was the other participant, and he's the guy they brought him in because he wears eyeglasses and they wanted to see if they could, uh, if there was going to be any hurdles with that. And, and Bourdais was very complimentary of it. He said that, I mean, he's, he said he's driven IMSA cars where the, 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 you know, the visibility is bad and there's so much distortion, and it's not even a, you know, a, a fancy aero screen. But um, he said that the, uh, very little distortion. He's just a very little bit in the corner. He said the uh, the sight lines were, were perfect. You could see everything you need to see. There were no, uh, you know, nothing being blocked. Uh, so high marks again from from all the drivers that have tested it. So that that's going to be a goal. You'll see those on the cars when they hit St. Pete. So now let's move on, uh, Richard. Yes. We formed a, we crowned a Formula One champ. 
We did? We well, did. we didn't. You... The FIA did. No, we didn't. No, I wasn't invited. So, no. <laughs> Formula One crowned a champion this weekend in Texas. Uh, you want to take a guess who that was? <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, Lewis Hamilton joins yeah, a very rarefied gonna... air um, as he, he surpasses the uh, the other five-time champion, Fascio, and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> And um, it's been he's been a one, of one, time, one, really, one behind Michael Schumacher now for the for that top spot. Yeah, I mean it's it's only been a matter of time really in the last um, you know three or four months really since the since uh, you know the, the mid season break he's sort of stretched that lead a little bit and uh, you know nobody's ever really been able to challenge him too too, too closely. So you know you can't say the guy doesn't deserve it really. He's I was talking to a, to a couple of other people about, you know, what makes him different, you know, and, and you look at the things, is he, is he that much fat? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Than the other drivers, not really. You know, his his pole position numbers aren't incredible. They're they're high due to the sheer number of races that in, in the car he's had. Um, is he an amazing overtaking? You know, can he dive up the inside of somebody from you know five car lengths back? Not really. Um, the thing that gets it is his consistency. You know, and the way he manages the car. He he runs in that sort of ninety to ninety five percent performance bracket like a metronome almost whereas other drivers dip in and out of that performance band on quite a regular basis so i'd be interested to know what his stat is on um number of times running at finish versus dnf i'm sure it's quite quite yeah i mean i I try to remember the you know the number of dnfs he's had from his own mistakes as opposed to mechanical issues um it's you know you could probably in the 300 some races you could do probably count them on two hands at very most the number of mistakes he's made that has caused him to retire from races i mean you could argue that he should be a seven-time world champion already if he hadn't i mean if he, he hadn't made that mistake in china back in 07 where he um got beached in the gravel coming into the pit lane <clears throat> so the guy's certainly, you know, the consistency levels now. Now he's in the sort of second phase of his career. I'd, I'd call it since he's been with Mercedes, his his um, consistency levels have just been through the roof. And I think that's what set him aside because, you know, Seb's quick on his day, Max is quick on his day, Valtteri is quick on his day. You know, Leclerc, Daniel Ricciardo, all these guys, you know, are, are quick on their day. It's just they don't have the consistency and that level of just banging out laps that are in the right sort of zone time after time after time. Um, and, you know, that's where I think that's set him aside from, from some of the other guys right now. Sure. Now let's talk about the race itself. Um, it looked like the Ferraris yeah. were, Ferraris were very good in practice and qualifying, but mm-hmm. I mean, once the light, when it lights went out and the race started, they, it's like, what well, happened? That, 
What that happened? Was purely, yeah. That was purely a tyre issue. They just couldn't get those um, medium tyres turned on, as it were. And and they struggled. You know, you saw the first two or three. There were nowhere. And, and Seb just had a horrible race. He was all over the place. And then compounded it all around about lap 10 when he had suspension failure from running over the kerbs. And just, it was just terrible. I mean, you know, if you give him marks out of 10, I think you'd struggle to get past two, wouldn't you? Um, it was just one of those. And, and that's the thing. Lewis doesn't have weekends like that. Um, now, now, now and, when we talk about the tires, right? Yeah. Now, Pirelli, is Pirelli fairly consistent with the tire that they, they provide from team to team? Is it something yeah, on they're, Ferrari they're set? Is something on the Ferrari setup that was not quite as compatible, yeah, compatible with that sufficient. particular tire as the maybe on the Mercedes? Because Mercedes is running the same Pirelli tires, right? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's purely, you know, the tire... It's a, it's a chemical reaction between the the, 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 the the road surface and the tire, and that chemical reaction to gain the optimum amount of grip, like like any chemical reaction, has an operating temperature, and it's purely about how you know, how you get into that window. Now, if you you go back to 2012, I think it was when you had like six or seven winners for the first seven races. Um, the tyre has an incredibly small operating window. And we're talking 5 degrees Celsius or 10 degrees Fahrenheit sort of operating window there. That, um, you know, you're almost, teams are almost looking into that window. Now, I, I don't know the windows right now, but it's obviously a little bit wider. And sometimes you you just can't get it working. It just doesn't work. Um, and, you know, you'll see on the formation laps that the guys will, Leaving, they'll be doing, you know, braking hard and stopping and, and, and all these sort of things. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, th- that's purely to get the tyres into the right window. Now, they're pretty good at it now. So my, the only thing I can assume is that Ferrari actually got their calculations wrong and the, the drive was in the wrong temperature range when the, the cars got onto the, uh, onto, onto the grid there. So, yeah, a little bit unusual for them to make that mistake. But um, there's also a lot going on now. If we go back to sort of Mexico, there's a lot of story about Ferrari's engine. And they're perceived to have a unfair advantage over the other teams. Uh, and there's talks of, um, you know, putting, um, uh, you know protesters in the legalities of Ferrari engine. And Ferrari's, no, 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 we're perfectly, perfectly legal. And then they were suddenly massively down on straight line speed in uh, Austin. Now, Ferrari put down to, you know, just, just the car setup. They were running a very high drag setup. They they had the straight line speed, so they wanted to try and optimise the, the cornering performance. But it, I, I don't know the finer details of it or the ins and outs of it, obviously, but uh, it was interesting to see that they were down on, on power. Now, my understanding, what they're looking at is in the car, there is a um, uh, fuel flow rate sensor. So you're limited as to how much fuel you can use during a race, and you're also limited to how uh, how fast you can consume fuel during the race. And what um, what they've been doing, or what talk of Ferrari, Ferrari have done is they've actually 
added a section to the fuel system past that sensor. Now, the, 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 the rule states that you have your fuel flow sensor and then the fuel must go directly from the fuel flow sensor into the engine. Now, there's talk that Ferrari had maybe put something in line there and it wasn't quite um, as it should be. Um, of course, totally unfounded speculation, I think, in many, um, many, many people's eyes. But, um, yeah, we, we, we don't know if that is the case, but it'd be interesting to see what happens going into the, into the last few races of the season to see if, uh, if they keep that up. All right, so what, now let's talk about the event itself. Um, yes. We, um, now, Gray had alluded to uh, the, the comparison of the crowd that was uh, over at the, in Fort Worth at the Oval to the crowd that was there at Circuit of the Americas. But we've, you know, we've heard some rumblings over the last couple of years that the, um, uh, you know, some of the government subsidizing and funding going into holding that race in Austin has, has been mm-hmm. scaled back, and, and this race may be in trouble, but, but yet it's it's come back every year, and they've, they've drawn a good crowd. So, I mean, as, as, a, as an event, you know, and as a circuit, I mean, how do you feel it holds up in comparison to the rest of the um, – the rest of the Formula One calendar, because it, it seemed to me like it's, it's a very entertaining race and it, it's oh, a very, yeah. very nice venue. It's a great venue. It's a, it's a difficult track. You know, you, you see that you saw the number of mistakes, especially early in, on the Friday. You know, the, the, a number of drivers were making mistakes. There. You know, they 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 st- do struggle a little bit with this sort of Tilka Dome sort of layout that, with the, the huge asphalt runoff areas and. And the like, which, which personally I'm not a big fan of, um, but they do a lot of things right there. Um, the one thing I think they're undertaking this year or during the the off season is um, resurfacing of the track. It, I, I've never remembered it being that bumpy. You know, there was, I'm sure there was a few couple of loose fillings um, after the. Uh, what happened was, and the explanation I was reading and understanding. It wasn't that the track surface itself was bumpy or had degraded, but the sand underneath the pavement right. had shifted. Yeah, yeah. And so it was interesting to sort of see what caused that. But, um, yeah, they're obviously going to have to do some work on that to smooth it out a little bit because it was a little bit uh, little bit crazy in places. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, I remember. I remember it's pretty, like it was pretty bumpy during the the IndyCar race earlier earlier in yeah. the season. So yeah, I mean, I still like to see them put more gravel traps in, especially in these areas like coming out of the penultimate corner, where you know there's this whole track limits thing. You know, put put some like high friction surface down there that slows the car down, or put gravel down there. You know this whole argument of um, you know exceeding track limits make it so that they can't exceed the track limits and if they do they they have an issue but uh, no as you say it's you know it's an entertaining race and it's a good race and you want to see those races continue um you know hats off to Valtteri he drove a fantastic race and yeah we forgot, mention, we forgot to mention we forgot to mention Valtteri won the race, won the race. <laughs> yeah uh, you know both, yeah, he's um, kind of lost, lost in all the news about Lewis. Yeah, Valtteri won the race and yeah, both, secured second place in the final standings. Yeah, but both Valtteri and uh, Max Verstappen went on an alternative strategy from Hamilton. They went on a uh, two-stop strategy, whereas Hamilton was on a one-stop strategy and uh, had a you know long stint there on the hard tyres and just couldn't quite hold um, Valtteri off. But uh, you know he did a good job in holding Max off and. 
some of the traffic maybe wasn't quite as kind to to to, to Verstappen as uh, as it was to Hamilton. It came at the right time for him. But um, no, again, it's a good race. They've always been pretty entertaining races. There, you've got you know turn one's a good passing zone. Then you've got that long back stretch into I think it's turn twelve or so that uh, you know is tricky and that's a good passing opportunity. So there's certainly worse tracks than Austin on the calendar for for. Um, uh, you know, point of view. So um, I, I think you need to try and keep somewhere like that uh, on the calendar. Oh, I agree. And and on top of that, I mean, Austin itself as a host city is a is a fine representation um, of the oh, United States. Oh, without any yeah, there, it's top notch, top notch. So now, yeah. Seth, you had alluded to earlier that uh, that uh, Tony Stewart was out there. Running, yeah. uh, running a stock car around the track, and and he had some thoughts on how he thought uh, a, Na- a NASCAR race might uh, might be out there. So uh, share us some of your um, some of some of Tony's comments and and how all that went down. He thought it was uh, an excellent uh, circuit, and he thinks a NASCAR race at Coda would be viable. Uh, he he said that it, that one experience granted it was maybe a handful of laps uh got him interested in maybe coming back to run an Xfinity road course or a tr- uh, cup race on road course again uh kind of like how Dale Jr. does a one-off uh each year uh, that being said he also had some comments about uh the scheduling too uh that whoever scheduled Texas more speedway and Coda uh, had their heads mm-hmm. up there uh, yeah. behind, uh, <laughs> and they should put aside their egos and run on separate weekends. I think next year it will be the third year in a row that it's the same weekend and fourth overall. Right, and Eddie, so, Eddie's, been, Eddie's been very vocal with... about Eddie Gossage uh, of the segment, very vocal about how he just. I mean, he feels like they're just, you know, crapping on his parade. He was there first, and and of course, Eddie's a vocal guy. We all know that. But uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, to to his point, uh, you know, he's he's expecting the FIA to bend over backwards for him uh, when they're they're looking at an international calendar. Um, and, and I don't know why Eddie's not pushing for getting his. Cup day, getting his well, cup, cup day changed, and another he's just saying, "Oh no, well, you, you need to change year, for me." So, I mean, it's well, for, uh, to be it, fair. To be fair, at least for 2020, they actually did move the Texas race up one weekend, uh, and that's because of the Pocono doubleheader. The entire schedule was rearranged, so it was going to be on a separate weekend. NASCAR put out their schedule first. Again, it's a case of we did this first, yada, yada, yada. And then the FIA puts out the schedule, and guess what? It's the same weekend. Does it, isn't there some press you know, with... Yeah, but do you think somebody is in the FIA saying, oh, let's piss off Eddie Gossage some more? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean? Do you really think... No, uh, I the, don't... I mean, the, I'll... The, when it comes to motor racing, the FIA is the 800-pound gorilla. You know? I, I and and com- think... compared to the FIA, NASCAR is small potatoes. Uh, oh, you know, now in the in the in the in the United States, NASCAR is the 800 pound gorilla, but internationally, I mean the FIA. So I, it's, yeah, I'm sure it's very frustrating for um, for um, 
the Texas Motor Speedway and Eddie Gossage to have that that thing out and oh we're gonna finally move a week off of it and, and then the FIA comes back with uh, there you go. Isn't there also some issue with like uh, Texas one of the college football teams in Texas as well? Uh, I think Texas A and M. Yeah, and, um, I think ta- they can't have a, a, a sporting clash with that or something along those lines. Oh, on I remember top- when the. Somebody tried to explain that to Bernie Eccleston when Austin Furley. He wasn't too impressed. On and on top of that, I think next year the race weekend is also the start of deer season in uh, Texas. So oh, there you go. Yeah, you have oh my yeah, everything. So. <laughs> I mean, maybe Eddie needs to say, "Hey, let's uh, let's let's not let's let me you know forego having a." race in the playoffs and just give me something that's a few months earlier and, and then throw in the IndyCar race with it. And, and then I think that would make him happy. You know, he's, re- he's, realistically, he's, he's big at pushing for that, that Indy, you know, Indy NASCAR doubleheader at his facility. Well, realistically, Eddie's got two dates. He's got one in the spring and one, one in the autumn. And I tell you right now, currently the way things are, a lot of fans have to sit and pick and choose events they're going to go to and uh you know some some fans may say well we'll go to the spring race and uh in uh at, at texas motor speedway and let's check out the uh formula one race in uh in the autumn you know it, it with because people's disposable income is now used to be and uh of course yeah i think probably getting it shifted to another date and like i think we're going to see some even some more schedule changes uh, come about in uh, in 2021. I don't think this new schedule that we're going to see is going to be uh, uh, cast in stone. Uh, that's another thing uh, we learned this week is that uh, NASCAR season finale, is it next year is going to be at uh, Phoenix? Is that correct, Seth? Yes, that was announced a while back. Right. Uh, but- next year it's at Phoenix. And when they announced that Phoenix had said – that they were well aware it could be only a one-year deal or it could be up to a three-year deal. Right. And I, I guess think, it depends on how it goes down, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I think NASCAR's wise in doing that. If they want to go to this rotating schedule and move it around, uh, I, I, I think they need to uh, have that in their agreements and, and shuffle the schedule from year to year, week to, you know, from year to year uh, or, or from every so many years. I, you know, uh, this current schedule we've been we've been on has been what in place for what almost a decade and a half. Oh, essentially, the the current one we have has been in place since about 2011 when Kentucky was first added right. to the schedule. To go beyond that, you would have to go back to 2004 when we had Rockingham on the schedule for another unique track. Yeah. 2005 was what I was thinking is pretty much the base schedule has been, has been the same, but yeah. Yeah. So Uh, fellas, speaking of the Texas and the schedule, uh, before we run out of time, NASCAR had a race at Texas this weekend. So let's, uh, let's, let's make sure we don't run out of time before we talk about that. So uh, um, we, we now have the first two, um, official championship four, and that's Kevin Harvick took the win at Texas. Now, the interesting thing for me, Seth and Gray, is that uh, we've not had a repeat champion since the dawn of the playoff era. 
Um, now we've got two out of our four guys are former champions. And then you've got Logano and um, Kyle Busch still solidly in the mix. Uh, so we could realistically see our first repeat champion. But let's uh, let's talk about this Texas race. Well, Kevin Harvick had to come overcome a pit road penalty, not of his own making. It was for uh, equipment over the wall too soon. What happened was he came down for a fuel-only stop, but the team put out tires on pit road as if they were going to make a two-tire stop, never swap tires. Therefore, NASCAR treats it like uh, oh man over the wall too soon. Uh, it, it's a penalty that isn't often called because it doesn't happen very often, but it so happens. So if you put tires out and then you don't put them on the car, that's a penalty. Because it's a safety issue because NASCAR allows the cars to go through uh, up to three pit stalls before, before gotcha. their actual stall. So it's meant to prevent uh, tires getting hit on pit road. All right, gotcha. Uh, again, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, I think this is the first time this year that's happened. So, but he was able to overcome it. Uh, he was a able to navigate the uh, PJ1 track bite that bit, uh, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, Jimmy Johnson, Corey LaJoy, and others. Yeah, there were some seriously banged up cars I, I saw on some of the highlights there. Poor old, poor old Keselowski tore the whole back of his car off. That did. Uh, him and Stenhouse in the same wreck, uh, you had Denny Hamlin slide through the grass. He was almost fine until he hit the quarter mile uh, that they used for uh, legend car racing and U.S. legend cars, which got him slightly airborne. And when he landed, the splitter dug into the grass, tearing off the right front fender. Uh, so that had some people calling for AstroTurf to be uh, put down in place of the grass or uh, valence instead of the splitter. The problem with AstroTurf is, at least at Texas, at Daytona, and certain other tracks where they're multi-use facilities, they can't put down the turf affecting the other racing or other events that take place at the track. And the reason for that is? Well, it it varies from event to event. At Daytona with Supercross, uh, the bulldozers moving the dirt onto the grass would damage the AstroTurf, and they would have to replace the AstroTurf every year. Okay, I got you. Meanwhile, at Texas, a uh, similar idea, but instead of it being Supercross, it is uh, Robbie Gordon Stadium Super Trucks. Which, for the record, is one of my favorite things to watch. Yes. I mean, especially <laughs> especially when they run at Long Beach. I don't want to get us way off topic, but our, my God, those Super Trucks at Long Beach are so fun. But uh, go ahead. And then at Richmond, which has a uh, uh, music festival, uh, the problem with the AstroTurf there, if somebody falls headfirst onto the AstroTurf, they're essentially hitting the concrete underneath it, not grass. All right. So, so, so all, all that being said, um, let's talk about our – there's two spots left, and we've got some guys in real trouble. Uh, Chase Elliott is – just about done unless he unless he wins. He has to win. He has to win. But we saw a couple of years ago Harvick was 
dead last in the, in yeah, the chase and, and won, won in Phoenix and then, and then went ahead and won the championship. That was, what, 14? Yes. Yep, so it's it's not unprecedented. So, but, I, it, but, but Grant, I want to bring Gray to conversation right quick as well, and then, then Seth, you finish off. So Seth, who, or Gray, rather, for the last two spots, who do you like among these uh, four guys that are left? Or six well, guys that are left? I, you know, I think uh, I think Kyle Busch is going to definitely have something to say about uh, moving up, moving on either either by uh, just a good finish at uh, at Phoenix or going out and winning the race. As far as the fourth, uh, the fourth uh, in it, I, I'm going to say you know Logano just seems to have a never say die uh, kind of season he seems like he get he's down but never out you know what i mean so i think possibly we could see um uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go with kyle and logano moving on uh moving on to the uh to the final four um either either by win or just by by sheer will you know yeah kyle's pretty safe on points i believe he's not clinched yet but he's 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 right there third yeah. in points, I believe. Yeah, yeah so. he's still got to have a good he's still got to have a good finish. You well, know. Yeah, he can't he can't afford to wreck on right. the open lap. Yeah, right, exactly. So anyway, uh, but I'm I'm gonna say you know, and then we would go to uh, to Homestead and be assured of getting a repeat winner. Certainly. Now, now, Seth, I, I'd like you to go ahead and finish the thought you started there. Uh, as I was saying, when Kevin Harvick won 2014, we didn't have the stage uh, point system. So it could very easily happen. That it happened to Denny Hamlin this past weekend. He entered with a 20-point gap, left down 20 points because he wrecked so early and his competition ran so well in the stages. Right. Now, Denny's another guy who's in – is he at seventh right now? He's fifth right now, oh, twenty points okay. out. Twenty points out. Now, now who are sixth and seventh? That would be Larson and Blaney, and they are both twenty-three points out. Yeah, so we're we're a must-win for Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott. The other guys can maybe sneak their sneak their way, gain twenty points on. Yeah, yeah. So but it's it's going to be it's there's there's going to be a lot of storylines to follow in Phoenix. Yeah. That's for sure. You can control your own destiny if you win the race. So that's, you know, that's what it really, you know, for those guys that are outside the uh, the cutoff, that's that's basically what they're looking at. All right, then. So now, now Richard, who do you who do you kind of like for grabbing the grabbing the last two spots? I think it's going to be. Denny Hamlin and Joe Logano. I think Denny Hamlin's going to win, and Carl Busch is going to drop out. That would be interesting, yeah. Now, now, Seth, yeah, you get your your call here. My too. my last two, I'm actually going to go a little bit different and go out on limb say Chase Elliott wins, and Denny Hamlin gets in via stage wins and the points he gets there, knocking both Kyle Busch and Logano out. Mm-hmm. Now you remember Seth's bold prediction at the end of the year last year we we would have four four guys in the chase in the in the final that weren't there last year. 
So he's halfway. I wrong. can at least have half. Yeah, yeah, you're halfway wrong. So I see you're trying to you're trying to get that other half there. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now me, I, when it comes to it, I've, you know I've got to got to look at it logically and look at the most um, you know likely outcome. And and for me that that ends up being. Uh, Kyle Bush and Denny Hamlin, unless Joey just has a great day. I think, um, you know, I'd love to see, I'd love to see Kyle Larson uh, and or um, Blaney get up there and, and win the thing. But those guys have been just too inconsistent. And, and I almost see Harvick winning this race because he's, uh, you know, he's uh, he's done so well there in the past and recently he hasn't. But uh, he's, he's, momentum is on Harvick's side right now. So with that being said, we've we've still got a few minutes left for the show. There was an Xfinity race. Yeah, let's talk about the Xfinity race and, and the Xfinity championship. We've got about three minutes left. Let's go go ahead and run down that. Who who, who got in a fight this time? No one got in a fight this time. <laughs> uh, Christopher Bell dominated the race again, leading 101 of the 200 laps. Uh, he won both stages, won the race, secured his spot in uh, Homestead. There's three drivers going for one spot, at least they're currently in, and then you have four drivers trying to win because that's all they can actually do with how far out they currently are. Cole Custer, Reddick, and Justin Allgaier are currently in. Chase Briscoe, who almost won at Kansas until Garrett Smithley got involved, uh, is 18 points out. You have Michael Nett, who is 28 points out. Austin Sindrick has to win. Noah Gregson has to win. Right. Now, now this coming weekend, the trucks are at Phoenix as well. Vegas? Oh, the trucks are in Phoenix. Everyone is in Phoenix. Did I I miss the trucks 10-long race in Vegas? Was that last week or? Uh, A couple weeks ago. Oh, I guess we just didn't talk about it. And it's not standalone. It's a triple header with uh, Cup and Xfinity now. Also at Phoenix is the final NASCAR Canaan Pro West Series race in its current format, as next year it will become the Arkham Menards West Series in the merger with the Arca Series. All right, so that, that's good stuff there. Uh, anybody we should be watching in that one? Well, you have Haley Deegan in the West Series race. You have uh, Tanner Gray making his second uh, truck start. You have Ty Majeski, uh, who <clears throat> didn't run well in uh, Roush equipment in Xfinity, but if he w- had run full-time in ARCA this year, he would have had a chance at the championship, uh, making his truck series debut this weekend. Otherwise, it's more the usual suspects. Interesting. Now, Richard, now Formula One's off for a week, right? Or we off for two weeks? Uh, off for a week and then down to uh, Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo and then Abu Dhabi, right? Or is there? Another, I believe that's there? it, yeah. It's all yeah, done for a year. There's, there's two races, yep, yep. And um, Lewis has everything sewn up. So, uh, Gray, final thoughts on the night? I mean, we, we've digested a lot of information. Yeah, I guess just looking forward to uh, Sunday at Phoenix to see uh, who's going to transfer to the to the Final Four, and uh, and then we can uh, start thinking about uh, who's going to be our champion for uh, 2019. 
Yeah, man, that's coming up, man. This this season is is gone by in a blink. I I think the older I get, the faster time flies. So, but uh, speaking of time flying, we are out of time. So I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank our iHeartRadio and Spreaker and YouTube podcast. And I want to thank you, Gray, and Seth and Richard. And I want to thank all you folks that listen to us week after week. And until next week, good night. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.